Well, welcome. Thank you guys for joining us today on Truth Talk. You are here with Melanie Binger, your host, Mariah Young, your co-host, and we have a special guest speaker today, Rhonda Wood. Um, you have listened to her in the past, and she's a friend of mine, and we talked about business and her Wealthier Her Academy and how she helps people with finances, whether you're just getting started, you are wanting to create a legacy with your finances and, and make some wise decisions, whether you're there and you have lots of uh, money and you're wanting to invest that wiser or if you're wanting to become debt free she she does that she helps you with um, many different streams of income and she's a very wise woman um i i love the one of the things that attracts me to rhonda is her dedication you, you guys hear me talk many times about being in alignment and having our faith family and business um in that way and really honoring god and so rhonda is a person that does that i know her personally and i invited her back today to to talk a little bit about family um because she she shared a little bit about how she had went on um, a medical a family medical leave um from her corporate job to stay home to be with her daughter um as she went through some different things and and her daughter's in a good space and she's um she's healthy originally she thought that was going to be about six months and it turned into a two and a half year journey and she has just been helping and blessing people in a different way but i asked her if she'd be willing to just talk about that because i think this is the truth like on truth talk we talk about the real things that are happening you may look at Rhonda and thinks she's polished and has been very wise with her money and and is able to do different things and um but you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes and so um she um leads a lot of people and she's she's just strong in her walk with god and i think god is there and so um i wanted to just bring her on to just talk about like have her share a little bit about her life get you guys let you know her in a different way but also to talk about something that's going on big in our world something that really happens that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, and I think there's ways that we can better um, be better support for our family to be able to have better self care for ourselves, and to also address the issue so that um, there's hope for other people. So welcome Rhonda. I'm going to go ahead and just have uh, Mariah, if you'd read her bio so we can know a little bit more about Rhonda and then we'll jump right in. Rhonda Wood is a sought-after empowerment speaker, writer, and life coach with a deep-rooted passion for supporting the personal and financial empowerment of women around the world. Through her unique speaking and coaching style, Rhonda equips women with the tools and strategies they need to push past obstacles, self-doubt, and frustration, and find clarity, courage, and confidence. Rhonda has overcome seemingly unsurmountable odds, including tragic loss and horrific abuse, to create a life of joy and purpose. Her personal story is the perfect backdrop for the, ex, uh, the next era of women's empowerment. After the death of both parents, Rhonda, Rhonda single-handedly and successfully raised three siblings and acquired the necessary resources so that they could graduate from college, find successful careers, and live productive lives. She also took an extended leave uh, from a six-figure marketing job so that she could support the mental health of her teenage daughter, who, after years of struggling, is now one of the youngest public speakers, writers, and advocates in, mental, in the mental health community. We will have Rhonda's links below for her website, um, and you can reach her at info at Rhonda mwood.com or her website www.rondamwood.com and we'll have those in the links below well thank you welcome Rhonda. we're so glad to have you today thank you for joining us thank you so excited to be here thank you well i am um you know first of all i just want to start off by honoring you i want to honor you for um the mother that you are the um, daughter of God that you are and how you serve others and how you serve your community. Um, I love that one of the things that I learned about Rhonda right off is she actually, um, she has a death ministry that she leads at her church, you guys. And I think, you know, we talk about these different gifts and these things that we have in our life and we don't necessarily use them. And so um, one thing that I learned about Rhonda is that you used to have a sister who um, was deaf and that's how you learn sign language, right? Absolutely, yeah. So my sister and I, um, we were really, really close. We grew up together. She was a, a little more than two years older than me, and she was actually born deaf. So sign language was our second language in our house growing up, and it became second nature for me. It, um, you know, a lot of people ask me how did I learn sign, and I, it just kind of became a gift. 
So I just kind of took that gift and started saying, well, let me use it to serve others. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. It was interesting when, um, you know, there's always different things, kind of things that connect you. When I was in school, um, there was, um, we had interpreters. So when I was in high school, I went to school probably, I would say about 12 children that were hearing impaired, whether they could feel, you know, they could hear fully or just partial sound or um, I had a friend that she would read um, lips. My friend Denise read, uh, used to read lips. And, but I, in my classes, I always had an interpreter. So it was very natural for me so um i remember you and i we were at a, um, a business conference and you went to go take a call and it's because you actually do use zoom i love zoom and you um tell us about how you use zoom to practice your um your sign language besides that so yeah so i have um i have deaf and hearing impaired friends who actually live around the world and one of the great things about modern technology is, you know, um, obviously we don't have to worry about the telephone where it's just audio only. We have resources that are, you know, video as well. So I can call my deaf friends and communicate with them and we can kind of see each other and sign to each other. And that's another way that I can keep up my, my sign skills as well. So, so yeah, I love that because so that was something you were doing. And then from that, you started the deaf ministry at your church. And so, you know, I just really want that to be an, um, an encouragement because sometimes we go through different things and we don't ever understand. We can think like, well, how was, why would God let your, your sister be born deaf? And, and, and we ask God, like, why did this happen? And, you know, God doesn't always promise that things are going to be easy, but he promises that he will help us through that. I've heard them talk about that. Cause I thought it was very interesting. I, I was listening to somebody and, and the pastor was sharing that, you know, God didn't, he didn't promise that it would be easy. Right. He just helped that he would get us through it. And so, um, it, and that didn't come, you know, that not something hard always comes from sin. It's just, you know, there's something that happens. And so that's interesting. I think another thing, um, and, and, and that didn't used to be talked about, like, you know, it, I, now that you, um, that community is, it's very well known and you see it everywhere. And even like when I was going to school, but I can think about, I remember like even when my mom was younger and, or when someone had a mental health issue before, like they would send them away. It wasn't part of our community. It wasn't accepted. It wasn't just like um, health has become to a place where we can learn different things and we can we can do things better. And um, if we talk about different situations, there's ways to learn. Somebody somewhere created communication with sign language. I don't know the history of that, but it's really cool. But it makes me also think that, um, you know, I know one of the things, the reason that led you to um, take your leave of absence, your family leave, was because um, of um the mental health issue your daughter was sharing with and you actually speak about that around the world you've been published you go and you're a speaker and you encourage people and your daughter actually speaks about this so we're not so i just want to address this like we're not talking about something that hasn't been shared we're not talking about um something that rhonda doesn't talk about but i did ask her to to openly share that with us today so rhonda why don't you share a little bit about your story and what that looks like so people can relate to that and all then we can talk some more about it Sure. So, yes, yeah, so again, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to talk about mental health. Thank you for inviting me here. Um, I actually am getting more and more comfortable sharing the story because I, I talk about it so much. And I think it's important to talk about it. I think there's such a stigma attached to mental health. Um, I think that's kind of how things were growing up. You know, we didn't want to go and get help or support for any mental health issues, whether it was stress or depression or anxiety or, you know, anything of that nature, because there was stigma attached. So you don't want to tell anyone, oh, I'm seeing a therapist or, you know, or I take medication, I have a psychiatrist, because then people are like, you know, they, they may call you, you know, sort of these negative words, like, are you crazy? You know, are you, are you, are you mentally, you know, are you insane? You know, do you belong in a uh, insane asylum and things of that nature? And we kind of make those connections to, you know, so so what happens is people struggle they struggle in silence and so I want to be able to speak openly about these issues letting people know that it's okay to not be okay it's okay to have a bad day it's okay when you're going through difficult times the important thing is to speak up and be open about it and get the help and support and find the necessary resources so that you can you know so that you can live a, um, a successful life and thrive in that life yeah. um, Yes. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so, so my story, my sort of journey started, um, where I sort of noticed that my, my daughter who was like, you know, your typical teen loved selfies, loved hanging around with friends, 
super social butterfly all of a sudden started having these changes in her behavior where she started becoming more withdrawn and not wanting to do the things that she normally really liked to do. You know, she started not wanting to hang out so much or not wanting to be around people. Or I noticed that those different things sort of made her uncomfortable. All of a sudden, you know, she didn't want to be around her friends. She kind of became a little more withdrawn. You know, she spent a lot of time in her room, sometimes in the dark or listening to, you know, kind of dreary music. And so I started to take note of that and started asking questions like, what's going on? And when it had gone on for too long, I realized that we probably needed to seek some professional, um, professional help. So in the beginning, I was trying to support her and still work my full-time job and still do my, you know, my normal parenting duties. So still, you know, going to work, coming home, cooking dinner, going shopping, you know, things of that nature. Um, and then I realized it got to be a bit too much. Like even I had to say, okay, this is a lot and I need to step back and make sure I'm making, you know, making sure I'm putting my priorities in the right order. So for me, even though my job was obviously, you know, a big deal and my main source of, you know, income and how I support myself, I had to you know, be humble and be real and transparent and go to my boss and say, you know, this is what's going on. This is sort of what's going on in my family. This is what's going on with me. I have been trying to do a great job here and show up 100% for her, and I just can't do both. So something had to give. And for me, family comes first, always, over, over a job and over money. So, um, so yeah, I let my job. I, did, I didn't really ask. I kind of let them know that I need to take some time. I need to take some time because what was happening is I felt like I was giving a lot during the day. I was giving probably, you know, 100% of my time at work. And I felt like when I came home in the evenings, I was giving my, my daughter my leftovers. And I think she felt that, like, I'm not even fully getting you because by the time you come to me, you're, you're exhausted. You've given already at the, at the job. I'm kind of getting, you know, the, you at the end of the day. And I just, you know, I'm sure she felt like I just wasn't fully present. So for me, it was, um, that was sort of, you know, a big eye opener for me where I realized I need to make sure that not only did I put her first, but that she knows that she's the priority and that she's first in my life. Well, and so I think that that's really important, like, you know, that we talk with our kids, right, that we take the time to be present and to talk with our kids. And when we're noticing something different, like, are we going to say something or what are we going to do? And are you okay with, you know, having, I think we got to be okay being uncomfortable. You know, you hear that in life, but I think, you know, a lot of times we have to have those conversations with our kids where um, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We got to be a safe place for them to know that it's okay. So that's the first thing. Um, the, the thing that you what brings my attention is a lot of people don't know. And actually, I was just talking with another person this week and didn't even know about this term. So FMLA, you guys, is Family Medical Leave Act. Okay, so see, I don't even know, but I know I knew that. So, and how does, like, if somebody finds themselves in a situation, Rhonda, what, can you just talk a little bit about um, what, you know, I know every state's probably a little bit different or that's where, where that is, but what would somebody do if they had a family situation where they needed to maybe take a leave of absence from work? Um, who would they talk to? Um, and what does that kind of cover just so they would have an idea to even be able to check into it? What does, can you tell us about that? Sure. So Family Medical Leave Act, I think, is a great resource to utilize if if needed. So for example, let's say that you are supporting a family member, whether it be a spouse or a partner or a child or a parent or you know a sibling, someone who heavily relies on your support, um, who has a medical issue, whether they're going in for surgery, you know, something that would prevent them from from being able to, you know, do their daily living functions or things of that nature. In my case, it was, you know, my daughter's mental health was preventing her from being able to just, you know, be able to function on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so, you know, we had tried some other things, nothing seemed to be working properly. So that was sort of the, the next step for me. So what I did was I, you know, went to my boss and, you know, I had a human resources department. 
how to let them know the situation. There was sort of an application process. So it wasn't even the boss or the human resources people that kind of made the final decision. I filled out the paperwork. I had the medical providers fill out the paperwork so it could be definitely, you know, official and bona fide. Um, it was submitted and it was approved. Um, so, yes, different states, you know, they have different terms. So, in, you know, in some states it might be, you know, three months. In other states it might be, you know, like the equivalent of four months or 16 weeks or, you know, something like that. I think for me it was about 16 weeks because my leave was in Washington, D.C. My company was in Washington, D.C. So once that was approved, that took a huge, like just lifted a huge burden off my shoulder of, you know, trying to work and, and do my best there. And then also trying to show up for my, for my, my daughter. So once I was able to take that leave from work, I was able to be 100% fully present and focus on her. And that is one of the best decisions I've made in making that decision to take leave. Um, it, there was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of fear. I was like, what about the money and what about the benefits and what's going to happen with my job and, you know, this, that, and the other. But I felt like that was definitely what God was calling me to do. So it was all about, let me just be obedient. Let me do what God's calling me to do. And then he'll fix, he'll, he'll provide all the details and he'll, if you're following what God asks you to do and he'll mm -hmm. make sure everything works out. So. Yeah. So I just wanted to, to use that to bring hope because sometimes we're in a different situation and we have like, how am I supposed to do that? And people don't even realize that there are, you know, you think, well, I might have short-term stability. Short-term disability does not fall under FMLA. It's two different, two different totally things. Um, so you can, you can check into that. There are many different resources. Um, so the other part that I want to say is, you know, here's the thing. Um, and we have so many young kids and, and not even only young kids, you guys, mental health is a huge issue. Um, we, you know, suicide is such the rate is so high now and a young amongst our young kids it is growing amazingly in middle school i know that for me um, a couple years ago um one of my daughter's friends was in that situation and um i got kind of brought into that and i you know it there was actually a suicide pact and you know i think the thing is is that sometimes people are thinking this is the only way out and we really need to stop. We need to be present. We need to be listening to what our children are saying. We need to be listening to what our friends are saying and, and slowing down to hear that. Um, and I think, you know, those things of learning and saying like, it's okay if you need to go talk to a counselor, like, you know, you, I mean, you just kind of busted so many of those myths right off, like go talk to somebody. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's, you know, it's not the same thing. Like, let's go, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, because sometimes we're not equipped to do that, but there are people who are trained, right? Um, you know, sometimes it's about being the resources. So Rhonda, what other resources um, have you found out there that are great for people who are dealing with different mental health issues? Right. So, so in addition to, you know, if you have some type of support um, or program, I would definitely look into that. Um, there are different types of agencies out there. I'm actually um, a member and a volunteer for NAMI, N-A-M-I, which mm -hmm. stands for National Association of Mental Illness. They are actually um, nationwide across the country. There's different chapters in each state, and even within each state, there may be several chapters within, you know, within the state, within by county or by city and things of that nature. So NAMI actually has um, different types of, you know, support groups, uh, whether it's for teens, for, um, for, you know, people who may be struggling with substance abuse, for caregivers of loved ones, or for the actual individuals who are struggling themselves. So different types of support groups, different types of workshops, you know, um, fundraisers, um, advocacy days, um, education. Um, you know, a lot of people just need to be educated and aware um, of what it means to of what mental health means you know it's, it's not about being crazy or you know again that's that stigma issue but if you really understand what is involved with mental health um you know i think that 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 is huge and then taking the time to you know check on your friends and check on your family and noticing you know for me you know noticing anything that that seems sort of out of the out of the norm and asking the questions because a lot of, as I mentioned, a lot of people are struggling in silence and just not saying anything because they feel like either people don't understand or they don't care or, you know, they're just kind of going about their lives. So those are some, so some resources, um, you know, um, support groups and um, education and workshops, seminars, um, 
you know, just, just figuring out sort of what's out there, different types of agencies and different types of hotlines, you know, hospitals typically, clinics typically have a lot of um, um, programs and, and things of that nature um, surrounding mental health. So um, you brought up NAMI, actually, that's really good. Actually, I've seen, they have that in Oregon. So it is a really great resource. I've seen um, some of different events I've been, I've seen different booths and I've seen that and that's phenomenal. What a great resource. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, so actually, you guys, you know, anybody who's listening to this, this is, you know, this is something that a lot of people will talk about. So if you know of a resource that will help somebody with mental health, I'm going to invite you to put that down below. If you have an organization in the state that you listen to that helps people with that, I'm gonna invite you to put that in our links below because we wanna be a resource. We wanna, you know, sometimes it's just knowing where to go. We don't even know. Um, we feel alone or we're like, oh, somebody's dealing with this. How do I How do I deal with this? Or where do I go? We just don't know. Um, so the other thing is, you know, you talked about, um, Rhonda, about just asking the question right well how many times like we might see a sign like somebody's acting different or we might like you know you said some you noticed some different things in your daughter that she was just listening to dark music she wasn't you know engaging the same way so what are some things that we can say to um or ask how can we ask that question sure so if, if you are if you have a suspicion that something may not be right um, I would just simply ask, you know, is everything okay? How can I support you? Is there anything that I can do? Letting the person know that you're there for them is huge. It may not work in every situation, in every mm -hmm. instance, and in every circumstance, but, but questions like that make a big difference. The other thing is after you ask the question, if the individual tells you something if they share something with you, make sure you keep it in confidence, you know, um, you know, or ask permission to share. The only exception is if it's, you know, if they want to do harm to themselves or to someone else, then obviously, you know, that's something that you need to, to take up with, a, you know, with a hospital or the police or something. But anything that they share, make sure you keep it in confidence. And the other thing is that, you know, some people may not understand is, Sometimes people just need us to listen, especially young folks. They just want someone to listen. Not necessarily to fix the problem, just to listen. And then try and place yourself in their shoes, which is not really easy to do. That was really challenging for me. My daughter would share about how she had a difficult day. For example, she would say something like, you know, I was in school and I was walking down the hall and I was carrying a folder and my and the papers fell and the papers went everywhere and the bell rang and people started walking through the hall and they were walking all over my papers. For her, that was traumatic. It was like she was traumatized by that. For me, if it had happened to me, it probably wouldn't have been that serious. Like I probably would have kind of laughed it off, like gathered everything and been fine. But for her, it wasn't. So it wasn't about trying to make light or devalue what the experience that she went through. It was mm -hmm. for me to try to say, man, let me try and figure out how she feels and try and make sure I validate and respect her feelings, whether I agree with them or not. It's all about respecting and validating her feelings and active listening, listening to what she's saying, but not necessarily trying to fix the problem unless she gives me permission to do so. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so that was like some really good nuggets right there, you guys, in case you didn't get that. There was four things. So I'm going to tell you. So the first one she said, respect who the person you're listening to, to validate what they're saying, to use active listening, and to not try to fix the program. So there's four things. And I think, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, yeah, I can listen. And maybe we're not going to respect that person, but we can listen and then we can validate them. But now we're going to try to fix it. This isn't our place to fix it, right? Um, but maybe bring in a resource, right? And I think that some, sometimes it's for us to be the friend. So that's, that's a really great thing. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that because, you know, what may have not been a big deal for somebody about dropping their papers and going all over was a huge thing for your daughter. Huge thing right? And to be able to validate. So yeah, that would be hard, you know, and just to let them know, because um, one more, you know, if you guys can think back to high school, like, you know, that was a time when, you know, 
you know, we can think, oh, if I could just go back. But when that, there was a lot of things when kids weren't nice, they were mean and, you know, made our day. Um, and so I think that that's just a huge, a huge thing. So um, great. The other thing I'm just thinking of as a resource is Catholic Charities, you guys. They, um, I remember when I was dealing with that situation with um, my friend's daughter, they came into the home and they assessed the situation. So she had a safety plan when she left the hospital. Um, then they came in and they assessed her home and worked with some of the issues. They did counseling in the home with the family with things that weren't going right. It was a total free resource to them. She also had a mentor that came alongside her and helped her learn different coping school skills out in the world. Um, so, you know, sometimes I think, well, maybe we don't feel like we're financially going to have the resources to do something. I want to speak that there is help out there for people. Um, yes, some of it does cost. Others are, there is, you know, there are different charities that help and do that. And that was a resource where I could just see the total difference. Um, one of the things that I would say with, with this little girl that I got involved with and I didn't know is that she had um, postpartum grief syndrome. And um, because she had somebody who had passed away and didn't know how to grieve, didn't know how to process it. And so she was in the state of postpartum grief. And I think that that can be a different, you know, and she was, praise God, she was able to get the help that, that she needed and some medications and now she, and some different coping skills. And then now she's fine and, and there. But I think sometimes we go through that and we, we just don't know how, right? And there we've got these young kids that are growing up, becoming young adults, dealing with adult things. Um, which I think is, you know, I, and the other thing that I'll say, and I, you know, and I know that this is different for your situation, Rhonda, but I know that you're in the mental health, health helped a lot with this in different areas. So, um, that they're one of my other clients, um, anyhow, when, when there has been a suicide in a family, it is proven that, um, within a certain time frame that there could be another suicide. So it's really important that when something like that happens, that we don't sweep it under the rug, that we help um, everybody involved that's been affected by it, get the proper grief um, counseling and, and assistance that they need to deal with that, to be able to talk about it, that as parents that were listening to kids, that were listening to our spouses or different people who have dealt with different things. Um, because when, when somebody loses a family member, there's effect by that. Um, and I think, you know, right now it just, there's shows on TV that talk about different things and they make it like, think like it's a cool thing to do and, and show how it is and, or that that's the only way. And so I just really want to speak against that. And I just actually, um, I'm just sensing the spirit, like just praying for anybody right now that is struggling, um, to let them know that there's hope to, to get, um, to call somebody or to just be brave enough to say that they're that they're really depressed. You know, I think there's different things. I grew up with, um, my dad was um, a manic depressant when I was a kid. So I grew up with him having to have medication and different things and knowing um, when he would change medicine, how that would affect. And it wasn't a thing that we would, you know, um, I think back then it wasn't, I think now they call, if I'm not, I could be mistaken, but I think they call a manic depressant from what back in the day, I think they call them bipolar now, if I understand correctly. And um, learning the different, having um, different medicines and when that's adjusted, how that can be, how you have to deal with that. And, and you know, I think um, there were times when I knew he was really depressed or I would see that. Um, and I knew as an adult, I always wanted to watch for those signs. And, you know, I think like sometimes when someone has a baby, you know, there's that postpartum depression and nobody wants to talk about that either. And that's real things. So I just think like, you know, um, the grief is a big thing. I went through that period and I want to get back to your daughter about mental health. But I think, you know, when we're going through this, um, setting things up and I want to talk about self-care because I know there was a time when I went through depression of grief and this is just kind of coming up and I feel like I should share it that um I lost five people in nine months and I didn't I was having a hard time getting off the couch I was having a hard time doing the things I needed to do and there's some things that I had to do to just make myself be better like okay I'm going to get up and I'm going to fix my hair today and I'm going to just put makeup on and get ready right like you know there's different things that we have to do for self-care or I would have a um my friend she would call me and she would be like are your blinds open and I would be like because if my blinds were not open that meant I was not off the couch you guys and so she would be like and I and she was like you know and I would be like no and she's like okay 
go put them up and then we would do like a dance party. We turn on music, we do like a little dance party. And so those are things that are kind of silly, but you know, I had to put those checks and balances in and just be like, okay, here's what it is. Um, because I knew I needed to do something different to get out of that. And, you know, think, you know, there was that process of grief and grief has got the different stages and how it is. And so I just, I really wanted to encourage you. There's many great resources. Um, if your church has Stephen ministries, um, I actually am um, certified as a Stephen ministry um, counselor and they are coach and they have um, a series of four books that you can get and you can share with somebody. So check with your church. If you know somebody who's lost them, it's like um, four books and they send them out like um, every three months and it kind of goes with the different stages where somebody would be in grief. So there's that as well. Um, but, you know, so just kind of turn this around because it make it positive. Um, Rhonda, when you're talking about that, what are some things as a mom that you can do or as somebody who's walking along somebody for self-care for yourself to keep yourself going? Right. So I would say, you know, when, when people ask me, you know, how, how can I support my loved one? How can I support my child um, through their journey with mental health? And I always share with them the one main major thing that you need to do above anything else is make sure you take care of yourself. And a lot of people are taken aback by that. They're like, wait a minute, my child is in crisis. They're you know, saying weird things, they're doing weird things. I think I need to take them to the hospital. And I say, yes, and all of that is true. But the first thing you need to do is make sure you take care of yourself. And I'll tell you why. We are no good <laughs> to our family members, to our loved ones, if we are not 100%. So we have to take care of ourselves. We have to fill our cup up first. We have to take a moment, you know, step away, get ourselves right, get the support or love or encouragement or spend time with God that we need before we step into that space with them and trying to support someone else. You cannot support someone else when your cup is half full or almost on empty and you're almost running on E. You're no good to them. Just like I was saying when I, when I was working, I felt like I was giving my daughter my leftovers. I was giving her the end of the day. I was giving everything I had during the day and then I would come to her and she knew. And she, knew. she was like, you're not 100% fully with me. You are, at this point, you're, you're, you're spent up. And so I always encourage um, parents and, and, and caregivers, make sure you take care of yourself. Self-care is so important that um, because if they're falling apart, if they're feeling weak, we need to be strong enough to be able to help and support, support and encourage and build them up. So fill your cup up first and then, um, and then you can, can um, support your loved one fully the way you need so, to. So what are some things that people can do for self-care? So some things you can do, like I mentioned, you know, taking some time to, to step away, just have some time to yourself. It could be some meditation. It could be some, you know, um, one of the ways that I love self-care is just, you know, um, being in a room by myself, closing the door, just having some quiet time, some relaxation, some meditation, reading my favorite um, Bible scriptures. I also love spa days. I love being pampered. <laughs> I love getting my hair done, a manicure, a pedicure, maybe a nice massage. But even if you aren't able to do those types of things, having some time to yourself. Sometimes it's a nice conversation with one of my favorite girlfriends. Spending 30, 45 minutes to an hour on the phone, loving up on someone or having someone love up on me and encourage me and, you know, supporting me as I'm trying to support someone else. Without all of those things, without the self-care, without the encouragement, without the time with God, without the meditation, without the just me time, I'm, I feel like I'm on empty. Those are things that fill me up so that I feel ready, I feel encouraged, I feel full, and I can 100% show up for the person that I'm supporting. That's awesome. Well, I know that you have been asked, I mean, actually you've written some submissions to some different papers about articles about this. Um, so what else do you think that you would like to share about this? Is there anything else that's coming to your mind? Sure. So in addition to making sure you take care of yourself and like I talked about active listening, trying not to fix the problem, putting your, trying to put yourself in their um, position, I would say encouraging open communication. I think a lot of times we, you know, unconsciously, we only want to, um, we only want to, you know, some people feel like, well, I can't come to them because they won't understand, or I can't come and talk to them because they may, you know, they may not hear me fully. 
or they may be unhappy with what I share. So that's all a part of people wanting to suffer in silence. So I also encourage people to, um, to encourage open communication, letting your loved one know you can, um, you can, um, you can come to me and share whatever you want in a confidential, safe, non-judgment space. I will keep what you say confidential. I will keep what you say, you know, um, amongst us. This is a safe space. You can share whatever you want and there's no judgment. I won't judge you. You know, there won't be any type of repercussions. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to look at you weird. You know, I'm not going to start, you know, rebuking you or bashing you or anything like that, but encourage open communication. And then the last thing I would say is to, um, to make sure you have supportive environments. You know, looking for the different resources to help, you know, build the individual up. Um, I'm sorry, that's not the last thing. That's next to the last thing. I'll say the last thing is the love unconditionally. No matter what you do, no matter what you share, I'm still going to love you and support you. You know, if you're, if you're having a fit, if you're throwing a tantrum, if, you're, you know, if you've had a bad day, if you bring home a bad grade, I still love you. There is nothing that you can do or say that will change my love for you. I had to make sure my daughter knew that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that, you know, that's so big because I think when, when kids are young and they're experimenting in different things or they may have made a choice to do something or, you know, I think sometimes I think like my parents are never going to forgive me or, you know, or this is going to happen. And the truth is, is that we are going to love them unconditionally. But, but here's the thing that I think bigger, you know, um, maybe you guys, maybe you're listening to this and you can think of somebody who God has put in your heart that maybe is not your child, but you're seeing like, you know, maybe God is calling you to be that person, to be present in their life and to love them unconditionally and to give them hope. And, you know, that might be you inviting them to church and going out of your way to go pick them up. And it might not, you know, it might take you 15 minutes to go pick them up. Well, maybe, you know, God's using you to get them there. Or and, and if it's not church, maybe it's an activity with your family, right? Like sometimes we, um, you know, that's just, you know, we get to be that, we get to be God's light, you guys. And so I just think that that's uh, unconditionally loving your children, that person in that place. But, you know, we're talking like right now, we're kind of talking about young kids, but you know, this happens at all ages, right? Like there are other people that, you know, I'm, I'm, I can think of somebody right now who um, is talking about it, like, you know, even they struggle in their business because sometimes they can be highs and lows. Like they can be doing great. And then something happens um, with their mental health and then they struggle. Right. And so it's us being that encouragement them. You can get through, you can do this and, and, you know, having that resource um, to be them and encourage them. So I just, I really appreciate what you're sharing around exposing this because I think a lot of times people don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, or they don't know what to say. Um, and so I think it's, it's really important to know that it's okay that somebody's on medicine. It's okay to go get the counseling. It's, you know, um, a lot of churches has resources. There's many resources that are out there. Um, if you've had a loved one that's dealt with something, a lot of times there's a resource for you to help cope deal with the person who's going through that or to help that person. And so um, I think it's really important that, you know, we encourage and we talk about that. Um, so Mariah, do you have any thoughts on that? I saw you pop in, but I want to see if you had anything you wanted to share. Okay, I did have one time that I think is, um, you know, I struggled with depression all my life too. Um, and five years ago, I finally recognized it. And um, Rhonda, can you answer just, I know we're running out of time, but are there some telltale signs that can help you to recognize that like, oh, I actually am struggling with Sure. Yeah. So let me say this. Um, different. So mental health has different phases. So for example, when we think about depression, for example, um, I was actually diagnosed as depressed. My daughter was diagnosed as depressed. My daughter's depression showed up as being withdrawn, staying in her room, listening to dark music, not wanting to do the things that she normally did not wanting to be around friends, not talking on the phone. You know, her dress was different. She slept longer. She didn't eat. You know, her appetite changed. So for her, some of her signs were obvious. For me, I was diagnosed as depressed.
depressed, but my depression was functional. I could still get up, go to work, do a great job at work, come home, still be a great provider, help with homework, cook dinner, clean the kitchen, you know, have conversations, but it didn't change how I was feeling on the inside, you know, and also when it's untreated, it grows. Stress can possibly turn into depression, can possibly turn into, you know, a mood disorder. So the longer it goes untreated, the deeper and, and darker that diagnosis could become. Um, and it's when Melanie started talking about grief, actually for my daughter, it actually started as, as, as grief for the both of us. So what I noticed is when we don't take care of ourselves and deal with our own issues, they affect the people around us. So what happened, so for me, my mom had passed away and then my father passed away and then my older sister passed away. For my daughter, my daughter never met my mother. My mother passed before my daughter was born, but she, in, in first grade, my father passed away. In second grade, her father's father passed away. And then in third grade, my sister, her aunt passed away. So she looked to me to model the behavior of how to handle grief. If I never handle my grief, then she has no model of how to handle her grief. So her mm -hmm. grief went from grief to depression to anxiety. So I needed to model the behavior for her to learn how to handle her grief. And one thing that I know about grief is you have to face it. You have to grieve. You have to walk through it. It does not go away. It will sit and it will wait until you're ready. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. The only way to properly grieve is to walk through that. And unfortunately for me, it took me years. <laughs> I didn't learn that fully until years later. And I'm glad that I learned it when I did, because when I learned how to properly grieve and deal with my mental health, then I was able to, to be able to show up and show my daughter, okay, this is how you properly grieve. It's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. Crying is not a sign of weakness. Crying is actually good. You know, some of us women, we talk about, you know, being strong and you know, sh showing our strength and thing, and we don't want to show, you know, the, the vulnerable sides of us, <laughs> the transparent sides of us, the authentic sides of us. But we should, and we should model that for other people, that I can still be those things and still be a strong person and still be a powerful person and still be a courageous person. And sometimes I'm going to have good days. And sometimes I'm not. And it's okay to not be okay. We don't have to show up and be and look strong all the time. I would go to work every day, makeup, nice suit, you know, like I said, but I was still functionally depressed. You would know it because I learned how to wear that mask well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was me too. I could hide it really well. So much so that I didn't even recognize it until I was having suicidal thoughts. And that was when I finally was like, oh, something's not right here. Right. I actually remember the first time my daughter and I both went to see the therapist together. It was a family therapy session. And he was like, why are you here? And I was like, oh, you know, my daughter, she's depressed and she has anxiety and she has these moods and she's going through this and this and this. And he just listened, kind of shook his head and he went, I can't help her until I help you. Mm. Wow, that was so powerful. But it was so true. I, during that leave of absence that I took, I worked on myself too. And because of that, because of that, you know, I was able to heal some of, you know, my unresolved issues. I was able to get healing from those things and move past those things. And because of that, I feel like I am a better mother. I'm a better caregiver. I'm a better sister. I'm a better servant. You know, I'm able to give and, and, and serve other people better because I dealt with those issues. Not only that, but I recognize them in other people. I say, hey, you know what? I went through those, that same thing. Let me tell you what helped me. And, and not to be afraid of, you know, not to be scared of, of that stigma. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to get help. It's okay to go to therapy. And if needed, it's okay to be on meds or have to go into the hospital for a short period of time. All of those things are okay. 
I so, just want to, you know, I, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, as a result of me doing my work, modeling the behavior for my daughter to do her work, to go through, you know, to dig deep and figure out, you know, what, what are these things that are causing these issues and what are some positive ways I can address these issues. You know, Melanie, I know you talked about the positive coping skills. A lot of times when we're feeling deep emotional pain, we have a tendency to not want to deal with the hurt. You know, we kind of shy away from it. Um, and then a lot of people will look to negative coping skills. They'll do, you know, they'll turn the drugs or alcohol or smoking or sex or, you know, really, you know, um, um, irresponsible behaviors. And so, you know, we encourage um, our listeners to, to do positive coping skills, to look for the great resources, to look for some support groups, to look for the loved ones who, you know, are asking the questions or, or who are providing the, the ear for us, for the listening or the, you know, the supportive environment or the open communication, you know, to take a walk, to take, you know, to take a breather, listen to your favorite music, to do some exercise, some aromatherapy, music therapy, move therapy, all of those art therapy, you know, all of those, those, um, those good things. Um, so that we can, you know, just be in, um, be in a better place. So I modeled the behavior and did the work, you know, went to therapy. My daughter was, um, um, did the work and did the therapy and was able to, you know, move past some things that were triggering her. And she was able, you know, she's now able to, you know, use those things that she went through, you know, what she, what she experienced with social media and the bullying and all of those things. And she's able to use that for, for, for a different meaning. She actually kind of made it her passion and her mission. She said, you know what, I want to help other people who are struggling with mental health, other young people who are struggling with mental health, who don't know what they don't know how to handle it. And me, I want to help other parents who don't know how to help their children who are struggling with mental health. So we both kind of have this mission. My daughter um, is studying psychology in school. She is, you know, she's doing public speaking engagements to other middle schoolers and high schoolers. She's writing articles on her experiences for mental health guides, you know, and, and she's studying at school. So she turned all of that, you know, that she went through, which was highly unusual, and she's being completely open and vulnerable about it. So, hey, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I went through. And this is how I'm overcoming it. Does she still have bad days? Absolutely. Do sometimes we still hit bumps in the road? Absolutely. But now we have the tools and the resources to know how to move past it. We mm -hmm. know positive things we can do to make it through. So it's mm -hmm. a journey and it's a process. It's not a quick fix. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm struggling with mental health. I'll just take this pill or I'll just, you know, see a therapist for a few times and then I'll be fine. And that's not always the case. It's a little bit more involved. In it. It's more of a, of, a, of a process and a journey. Oh, and it's, it's about doing the work. So, Rhonda, I thank you. And I think that was just such a, you know, thing like I can't help you until I help your daughter. Like, you know, it's a learned behavior and the different things. And um, so that was huge. I think, um, you know, also knowing um, what I will say is like, sometimes the cycle like when, when we go through something like knowing that to be able to watch for the cycle that where somebody could go again to being open to that just because somebody went through it once and now they're better doesn't mean a different time i know for myself like um i always take um you know vitamin d for like the sun in the winter time because i need more of that i live in oregon and it rains here a lot so there's little things that you can do for self-care to do that um mariah i thank you for sharing that about yourself um, and just, you know, I think people don't want to talk about that, right? So, um, you know, I, I really want to honor you. If there's anything else you want to say, I want to give you the, the time to say something because I feel like this is something that gets brushed under the rug, right? And um, it's, you know, I mean, we, I dealt with like the grief in a different way. And, and even though I wasn't that way, I knew that there was a fog and I was like, how do I get out of this? How do I get through that funk? Like we have to do that. So is there anything else you'd like to say, Mariah? Um, I don't have too much to say. This is one of those topics we could talk about forever because it's so important, so big. We have so many people affected um, by it in our like 
circles. And so um, I will go ahead and post a resource to you offered that like you want people to post resources here in Washington. We actually have a really great one. We have a um, nonprofit that actually vets Christian um, counselors specifically for specific purposes. In fact, we have one recently that I keep hearing about again and again. He's specifically a counselor for kids who are getting bullied. And I keep mm. hearing name he's doing a great job um, but they make sure that your insurance will cover it they also try to really make sure that they place you with who you need for what you need and so that is a fantastic resource so I'll, po I'll post that there for awesome you. thank you you know and I think that's a great is like as we do that the, the resources the things we can share to give hope so I always like to ask people um, our guests so first of all I thank you Rhonda for being so transparent and sharing and I'm excited I would love for you to post um, to share we'll post the links as well your articles that you wrote and Deja wrote so that people can take a look at that and know your resources you guys can go to Rhonda's website but her daughter Deja she is speaking you guys she um, uh, is a sought-after young speaker that is speaking on this topic and writing and it's wonderful so um, but do you have a power verse that you love Rhonda um, so, yes, I love Romans 8 38 and 39 uh, which says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that scripture because mm. a lot of times when people are struggling in their mental health, they're looking for something to ease that pain. You know, there's our, our healthy coping skills and there's our negative coping skills. But no matter how we're feeling, no matter where we are in our walk, in that journey, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And looking for those coping skills, you know, and looking for that, you know, we encourage folks not to go towards the negative coping skills because all those things do is try and cover a hole that only the love of God can fill. And so that's why I love this scripture because it's saying nothing, not your mental health, you know, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Even if, you know, your family doesn't understand and they don't get it, they want to turn their back on you, your friends don't fully understand, God is always there and nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. Nothing can keep us. So God created all of us for a reason. God created all. Even if you are going through mental health challenges, that's not your that's that's not your your sort of your path. That's something that you're encountering along the way. In my daughter's instance, you know, she took that and said, "Okay, now I'm going to make that part of my mission, part of my passion. I'm going to use that to, to help me walk in my purpose." You know, she's kind of made it, you know, her thing. And so, you know. We, we'll walk through difficult things. We're all going to have challenges in life, but it doesn't define us. It's not who we are. We just take those things, realize that God is there for us and that he loves us no matter what, and we just, you know, keep on moving. Well, and I think that you know, it's such a good example, like how God can use all things for his good, right? Yeah. can use all things for his good. So um, I just, I want to thank you for joining us today on Truth Talk. Um, thank everybody for, for sitting here and talking this and just um, to make sure you share the resources, look for the resources, um, take the time, like um, Rhonda said, I think such good points, to be respectful, to validate, to use active listening, and um, to love unconditionally. And don't try to fix whatever that situation is. Um, such solid, great advice, Rhonda. I thank you so much for, for being here today and sharing that. Um, and I just uh, ask everybody to have a blessed week. Join us next week for Truth Talk, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. I'm